Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Energy City Plugged In Podcast. The Energy City Plugged In Podcast is brought to you by the Estevan Mercury Publications. We have a special guest today on the podcast. He's become a very well-known person in the community since arriving in Estevan in 2014 and has earned praise in the community for his work with the Estevan Police Service, not just for the EPS's actions in dealing with some tough situations like drug arrests and impaired driving, but for his emphasis on the community. And he, on a personal note, he might be one of the most media-friendly people that I've ever dealt with, and that certainly among uh, police chiefs, one of the most accessible people for the media out there. My guest today is Paul Latticer, the Chief of Police for the Estevad Police Service. Paul, it's great to have you here. Thanks, David. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the invite. So we're going to go through some uh, questions this afternoon and talk a little bit about your uh, background in your policing and some of your experiences since you've been here. But the big obvious question for uh, our listeners will be any big, uh, any big breaking stories that you'd like to share with us uh, today? Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing hot off the press, David. Uh, you know, you're always trying to get that, that leading edge. Uh, good for you. But uh, no, that's, uh, that's good news today. There's nothing, uh, nothing too exciting going on. Uh, um, you know, I guess if there's any story that's, you know, standing out there day after day, it's uh, what you mentioned earlier, the impaired driving and the concerns around that in this community, for sure. So we'll start off with uh, some of your background in your policing. Uh, can we get a, a quick recap on your career as a police officer? Sure. You know, I, I started uh, in this profession in, in 1992 uh, with the London Police Service uh, and uh, spent a good majority of my career uh, working with the London Police Service. Uh, had a lot of great opportunities there. Um, uh, quite a bit uh, larger service uh, and, uh, and uh, certainly a lot of diversity uh, in that community. Um, from there, I went to the uh, Brockville Police Service, uh, which is, uh, you know, halfway between uh, Kingston and Ottawa, Ontario and, uh, and uh, worked for approximately 11 years uh, with the Brockville Police Service, uh, working in uh, numerous uh, different capacities, uh, you know, both at Brockville and, and London Police Service. So most, uh, most areas of policing I've had some experience in throughout the course of my career, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, professional standards or whether it be, uh, you know, the crime unit or major crime, uh, drug unit, uh, emergency response and things like that. So uh, certainly uh, I've had a very rewarding career. Uh, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think if you talk to most police officers, uh, you know, they, they love this uh, profession and they, they see it more as a calling than, you know, than just a job, uh, for sure. You were, uh, now, I talked earlier about your background or how media friendly you are. Remember, you were the media relations guy for London Police Service at one time, right? Yeah, it, you know, it does give me a bit of an edge. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Uh, it certainly served me well in, in my career. I did uh, do a, a stint with uh, with London Police uh, where I was the uh, media relations officer. So uh, you certainly learn to uh, to get friendly with the media quickly uh, because uh, they could be your friend, as, uh, as we know. But uh, <laughs> they could certainly, uh, you know, I won't say your enemy, but uh, but certainly, uh, you know, I think it's important to work, work uh, with the media uh, together. And, uh, you know, this media, you know, kudos to you. And I'm not just saying that because we're here together, Dave. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I think this media has been uh, very, uh, very friendly with the police, uh, very supportive of, of this police service. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that relationship is very important when uh, it comes to getting, uh, you know, public safety messages out, uh, dealing with, uh, with crimes that have, uh, have happened and looking for community, uh, you know, input or, or someone who may have witnessed a crime and things like that. So I, I think the relationship uh, is, uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, I, I've had experience working with media in the past and, uh, and uh, certainly I think that's uh, where the comfort comes from. 
I know that guys like Norm Park and Chad Saxon and Jordan Baker, who have been here at the Mercury since you've been here, uh, they've always appreciated, also always appreciated the the relationship that they uh, have with you. And yeah, you know, if you if you were to look at my phone, the text messages you'd see text messages from the chief saying, you know, if you know, on a Saturday afternoon saying there's been a drug bust in Estevan, press release coming. You know, we both know that we can reach each other at any time, and we appreciate that. So how did you? Uh, how did you decide that you wanted to be a police officer? Is that something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, you know, it started at a young age for me. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I think it's really important to get involved in the community, uh, you know, as police officers, and, our, you know, our members do a phenomenal job of that, uh, you know, getting out there and, and getting involved every day in this community. But uh, but for me, uh, you know, the, the real, uh, you know, aha moment uh, came when I was about 10 years old. And, uh, you know, we had an officer in our neighborhood uh, and uh, he would uh, come there and, and uh, run radar uh, just, in a, you know, at the edge of our cul-de-sac. And uh, my friends and I would be out there tossing around a football, uh, you know, or playing soccer or something of that nature. And, and, you know, the officer would always stop, get out of the car, start tossing the football around with us, you know, making jokes uh, with us. But always kind of leaving us with, you know, some kind of safety message, you know, uh, make sure if your ball goes in the street, you don't run after that, you know, mm -hmm. it's not worth your life. Uh, you know, he talked about how school was going and bullying and things like that. And, you know, that really resonated with me. It, it stuck with me as, a, as I grew through to be a teenager. And, uh, you know, there was no doubt, uh, you know, my family will tell you, uh, you know, my family's all in the aviation business. Uh, I'm kind of the, uh, the outcast a little bit. I went into policing and uh, they'll tell you from an early, early age, that's all I ever said I wanted to do. So uh, no regrets in the world. Uh, best job in the land. And uh, where else do you get to serve people every day uh, in the community? And, uh, you know, we, we do see a lot of bad things out there sometimes, you know, in this profession. Uh, but we focus on the good and uh, you know this is truly a job where you can really uh, you know have an impact on people's lives and of course 2014 you uh, took the job as the chief of police here why did you uh, decided that you wanted the job as police chief in Estevan sure you know I had had uh, you know some conversations with some friends uh, that uh, that knew of this area knew of the service uh, that uh, that uh, uh, told me about it, about the uh, the position uh, coming open. Um, did some research on the community and so forth and, and realized uh, there was a lot of similarities uh, in this community from the community I came from, uh, be, both being, you know, a border, uh, border city, uh, you know, having uh, similar issues when it came to, it comes to drugs, uh, you know, within the community and things like that. So, um, you know, I can't say I, I decided right off the hop. I, you know, I did have uh, some conversations with the former chief uh, just to kind of get a lay of the land, I talked uh, with the uh, the Saskatchewan Police Commission, had some good conversations with them about uh, you know current issues in this province and so forth. Uh, as I recall, I even called you, I, I, uh, <laughs> David. Uh, you know, being a, a former media guy, uh, you know, I, I know if there's good or bad about a police service, the best place to go is the media because they're going to know. Uh, and so I certainly appreciate your time with me. And uh, uh, you know, through talking with those people and interacting with those people, uh, it became very clear to me that this was, uh, you know, certainly a community I, I would want to work in um, and uh, and certainly uh, face some challenges, uh, you know, within the organization as far as modernization uh, within the police service and, and uh, you know, that will support this community into the future. Of course, you had really big shoes to fill coming here because Del Block had been the chief before you and Del still is in town. Very, very well-respected guy, not only locally, but at one time was the national vice president of the Canadian Police Officers Association. So, you know, 
tough situation coming to here, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, there's no uh, there's no uh, rule book or guidebook on how to be a chief of police. Uh, you know, you land in the chair and uh, and you kind of start day one and you go from there. And uh, you know, I, I think uh, there's there's challenging times in this profession, uh, no doubt about it. You know, uh, um, legislation changes. Uh, you know, the the, the the types of calls we have to deal with, budgets, so forth. There's always something on the table that you have to address. Uh, you know, I look at that as an opportunity and a challenge, uh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, the, the best part of this police uh, police service, uh, you know, the best part of this community is, is the people within it. Uh, and uh, the same is said for this police service. It's not one person that makes, uh, you know, makes this service happen. It's, uh, it's everybody from, you know, our custodian who's there every day looking after things and keeping the place neat and tidy, uh, to our, our admin staff, uh, to, to our frontline patrol officers and our communications officers. And I think, you know, if anything's changing in policing, it's the idea that you don't necessarily have to have a badge to be, a, you know, uh, um, functioning uh, within a, a police environment and contributing to public safety. And I think, you know, that's a big emphasis, uh, you know, certainly we, we look at, uh, you know, in the organization is, is everyone uh, should be equal, uh, you know, regardless of, of what role you're playing and so forth. Excellent. Well, that wraps up our opening segment. When we come back, we'll be talking to uh, Police Chief Latticer about uh, some of the different things that he's experienced so far in Estevan. Welcome back, and joining me once again is Police Chief Paul Latticer. Chief, uh, what have been some of the accomplishments uh, for the EPS since you've been here in 2014? Uh, I think there's been a lot. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, you know, off the top, uh, I think uh, probably the best accomplishments were looking at the creation of systems within the police organization. So, what systems were there to support frontline policing? Uh, and looking at uh, what units uh, could or should be developed uh, to support those roles uh, on the front lines. So, uh, you know, we started to do an internal review and, and look at, uh, you know, what types of calls are we getting, uh, what volumes of those calls are we getting, um, what services do we need to provide both internally and externally. And, it, you know, it came to a quick re realization that, uh, you know, officer safety is uh, always a big concern, uh, you know, in any police organization. And, you know, we look at the, the fact of, uh, uh, you know, public safety, it doesn't matter where you live, uh, you know, where you are, we've seen it around the world, things can happen. They can happen in small communities, they can happen in large communities, they can happen in, you know, out in, uh, you know, the country setting. Uh, and so Mayor forth. Thorpe, Alberta, for example. Uh, absolutely. So we always have to be cautious and, you know, when we don't want to overreact, you know, uh, out of a state of paranoia, but in the same sense, you want to make sure that your community is well protected. We, you know, we're in the south, uh, south uh, east corner of the province uh, and we're a distance from, from some of the other communities. So uh, we quickly came to the realization that we needed a, a response team that could respond in the event of an emergency, uh, a high level, high profile emergency. And that's, uh, you know, why the, the containment warrant entry team was, was formed. And, you know, I, I, I got to give this board credit, uh, you know, without a doubt, and this council, uh, you know, huge credit because they have been very supportive uh, of this police organization and, and where we're headed uh, from uh, from an organizational standpoint. Um, so they uh, they certainly supported the development of that unit. The province recognized it as well. They supported the development of the unit. Uh, in, in fact, they funded the, the, uh, the transport uh, vehicle, uh, the, the uh, CWET vehicle that we have today, uh, you know, and all the equipment that goes along with that. So um, as far as, uh, 
uh, as far as that team, you know, it's something I think the city should be very proud of. Uh, again, that team, it's not a team you'll see out in the street every day. It's not a team that goes to we all We certainly calls. hope not. We certainly hope not. And, you know, it's not a case where every, you know, every door we visit or every search warrant we do is going to involve that team. Uh, we look at each, uh, each situation on a, a risk factor. And, and look at, uh, you know, what is the potential for, for uh, risk to the officers, to the public, and then we make a determination whether or not that team will be used. That team is there, uh, you know, I always term it as, as an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, we all get insurance on our vehicles. We hope to never have to use it. We hope to never have to get in an accident. Um, you know, but if we do, we're glad we had the insurance. And, you know, the same is said about that team. So uh, that's certainly an accomplishment in itself. Um, when we look at the other units, you know, we expanded our criminal investigations branch mm -hmm. uh, so that we had capacity to investigate more serious offenses effectively. Uh, and uh, we've got, uh, you know, two phenomenal uh, detectives working in that branch uh, right now that are doing remarkable work. Uh, you know, our solvability rate is, is, is climbing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our clearance rates are climbing. Um, you know, I could speak of, you know, a number of high-profile investigations, uh, whether they be sexual assaults, high-level frauds uh, that have occurred. And, I mean, I'm sure they stand out, uh, you know, for, for in your mind uh, from the media perspective as well that have happened over the past year or two. And, and these individuals have done, uh, have done great work in that area. Um, the Drug and Intelligence Unit, can't speak highly enough of it. Uh, you know, that... Uh, that officer uh, certainly uh, uh, has certainly put a spotlight on the drug issues within this community. Uh, outstanding work uh, dealing with uh, with drugs in this community, and uh, and you know as fast as they're they're coming and they're setting up, uh, you know this unit is is tackling those issues. And you know it's not uh, uncommon to see you know a, a drug uh, arrest in this city every couple of weeks. And you know the message we want to say you know send is if you're going to do it, you're going to get caught. And I think uh, you know that message is getting sent uh, loud and clear. One thing that came with the development of that unit is it's not only a drug unit, it's also an intelligence gathering unit and we're seeing that the community is uh, is supporting, uh, you know, supporting its local police uh, through providing information and intelligence. So, you know, there's there's that trust level in the community that, uh, that we can call the police, we can share information, you know, our name's not going to be out there if we don't want it to be and uh, and we're, uh, we're certainly apprehending people, you know, in this community. People have kids in this community, people have children in this community. Uh, friends, brothers, sisters, and so there's a genuine interest in you know in keeping uh, drugs out of this community. So that unit's uh, another unit uh, that you know very proud of as well. How has community support been for the EPS since you've arrived? Uh, community support, you know, there's nowhere I I, I go, uh, David, in this community that I don't hear someone saying uh, how uh, how pleased they are with this police service. Not, uh, you know, this isn't a personal, uh, you know, uh, goal for me or personal gain for me. This is about the organization. They're talking about the organization and how happy they are, uh, you know, with the service that's being provided by this police service. Um, you know, my wife will attest, we'll be out for dinner and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have the waitress <laughs> come up and talk about, you know, uh, how happy they are, you know, with, uh, with, the, with the policing in this community. And I think that's a, you know, a true testament to our members and the type of work that they're doing out there. You know, I go to Twitter often and you know you hear <laughs> comments from people you know thanks mm -hmm. so much for the officers giving out Halloween candy and you know that's not mm -hmm. something where I've set 
down and said to our officers, go out and hand out Halloween candy. You know, these are officers just doing that stuff and, uh, and you know, because they feel it's the right thing to yeah. do. Um, you know, we'll hear it often on Twitter, you know, uh, your officer stopped by the school today, thank you very much, and things like that. So, And those are the types of things that makes this job worthwhile. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the type of comments. So, uh, you know, the message is keep it coming. <laughs> we like it. Uh, you know, we really do. Uh, our members like it. Uh, there's nothing we like more than when we hear a bunch of negative feedback from people we may be arresting or charging or dealing with, uh, you know, serious issues than to hear some people saying thank you. So our members certainly appreciate that. I think the, one time, the only time in which I hear the, the concerns is... Uh, when you try to lower the speed limits or when you put speed humps on Mullock Road. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the interesting <laughs> thing is, you know, traffic always gets blamed on the police chief, you know, and uh, uh, it's we actually have a traffic control committee. Uh, so, you know, I always point my fingers to those other members of that committee and saying, why is this always falling <laughs> on me? You know, I have to walk through these streets too. And, and I think, uh, I think, you know, uh, it's good that the public has input, uh, you know, in some of the decisions we make. Uh, you know, I think uh, I've made my view very clear that, uh, you know, public safety should not be a vote, uh, you know, when it comes to road safety. So while we do, uh, you know, and I, I believe in transparency and I believe in, you know, the public having, uh, you know, uh, say in what we're doing. I mean, we don't hold votes on whether we should wear seatbelts or not, uh, you know, because uh, ultimately there would be some out there that say we shouldn't, uh, you know, in a, in a car. So. Um, you know, some of the decisions that have been made, you know, we talk about the speed humps on Wellick, uh, you know, that went on for months. Uh, and it was, it was almost a year. Yeah. And you know, there wasn't anywhere I'd go where I wouldn't hear either for or against. And, you know, I was so happy when they finally went in, not so much that they were in, but so that we could put that conversation <laughs> to rest. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is when they went in, we're not hearing a whole lot of complaints no. about it. In fact, we had some people asking if they were looking at their communities as well and mm -hmm. things like that. So um, hard decisions to make, but uh, ultimately those decisions are made for public safety. I think uh, two areas that, that stand out and where I really see the positive feedback from the community. One is the crackdown on impaired driving and the other is the continued uh, drug enforcement. Uh, those have been priorities uh, for, you know, the, I know the drug enforcement was a priority for you when you got here and impaired driving became, kind of became a priority, right? Uh, absolutely, you know, it took a while to get a, a, you know, some good knowledge of the lay, the lay of the land, uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, drugs, uh, I was aware before coming into the community, you know, that there was some concern, and you know, it's important to realize that, you know, it's not that Estevan's a hotbed for drugs and that we're worse than any other community out there. Drugs are an issue. They're an issue in every community. Uh, it's it's what uh, what uh, the local service and what the local community is willing to tolerate, what they wish to see done about that. You know, kudos to this community. There are so many people that support what we're doing in this community when it comes to drugs. It's phenomenal. Uh, the uh, the Estevan Board of Police Commissioners highly supportive of what we're doing. You know, council highly supportive of what we're doing. So, um, you know, that's important stuff. And and. Uh, you're right, drugs are, are a priority, continue to be a priority. Impaired driving, you know, that was after being here a little while and realizing just how many people are on our roads driving drunk. And it's absolutely uh, devastating uh, that uh, people are still in this day and age willing to take those risks. We've seen it all. We've seen parents driving with kids. 
when they're drunk behind the wheel. We've seen uh, teenagers driving drunk behind the wheel. Uh, we've seen people driving, uh, you know, in the middle of daylight hours in school areas and so that on. One, that was, there was that one notable case, I think it was last year, early this year, when there was the accident at Absolutely. one of the schools. Absolutely. And so, you know, the message, uh, we, we can only keep preaching the same message. Uh, you know, we've stepped up our enforcement. We're going to continue to do that uh, with the high visibility check stops. Uh, SGI has been a big supporter of that. So we're certainly appreciative of what they're doing, uh, you know, stepping up to the plate. Um, but the reality is uh, we're going to keep going on this. Uh, you know, the one nice thing is it's the conversation has started. Uh, you know, I, there's nothing I, I like to see uh, more than when I'm driving uh, down the street late at night and see that a restaurant's closed and there's cars having sleepovers uh, mm -hmm. in the parking lot. You know, uh, I can tell you that months ago you wouldn't see that. You know, mm -hmm. Affinity Place where events are taking place, a whole pile of cars uh, yeah. left in the lot afterwards. This is a community you can walk from one end to the other in probably 10 minutes. You know, well, I won't say 10, but... About an, an hour. An, an hour. <laughs> you know, there's no reason... Uh, for anyone to drive drunk in this community. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's absolutely no excuse. And, you know, I always said if you can spend $100 going out at night for a meal and for drinks, you can spend $10 on a cab ride home. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a case, and we've had this discussion before, you know, uh, we do from time to time give out, you know, coffee cards or, you know, last year we were giving out candy canes, uh, you know, to thank people for, for us delaying them while we check their sobriety and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, we shouldn't have to reward people for uh, not breaking the law. You know, uh, quite frankly, we don't do it with any other offense. You know, we don't say, uh, you know, thank you for not uh, breaking into that house, Mr. Uh, uh, B&E artist. Here's a coffee card. Uh, you know, I think there's going to come a day where impaired driving needs to get to that level. It's just not tolerated. It's not socially acceptable, um, you know, and, uh, and people aren't willing to tolerate it. Very supportive community uh, when it comes to impaired driving. Uh, I think the community has stepped up to the plate in that regard as well. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing uh, police service... Uh, uh, appreciates more than the community that supports them and uh, I can tell you that we would not be able to do half the things we're doing if we didn't have the support of this community. Excellent well thank you Chief. Uh, when we return for our final segment we're going to talk about some of the things people expect to see in the future for the EPS as well as get to uh, know Chief uh, Lattister on a little more of a personal level. Welcome back for our final segment of this week's edition of the Energy City Plugged In podcast. Joining me is Ch Chief Paul Lattister Chief, as I mentioned before, is there anything in terms of the future of the EPS that uh, you can share that people can uh, look forward to? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, we've undergone a lot of change uh, in the last, uh, last three years, David, uh, as an organization. Um, you know, and I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, change is hard. It's hard for, for uh, even a community. It's hard, uh, probably more difficult for the members within the organization because we've seen a lot of new units developed. We've seen a lot of new uh, ways of doing business uh, developed. And, uh, and that uh, certainly is, is difficult. Um, you know, uh, our members are resilient. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, they, uh, they um, welcome change uh, without a doubt. Uh, and I think uh, we've we've gotten to the point 
where I'm proud to say that, you know, the change can slow a little bit. Uh, you know, we're not going to be, uh, to be making changes, uh, you know, drastically in 2018. I don't see a, a drastic need for that. Uh, I think now it will be more focusing on our interior, internal operations, um, you know, how we're, uh, how we're doing deployments, how we're, uh, you know, how we're uh, uh, dealing with policy issues and things like that. So it'll be more administrative. Um, you know, um, duties in 2018 than it will be new units, uh, you know, new vehicles. I mean, we've gone from, uh, you know, driving, uh, um, you know, two-wheel drive vehicles, uh, and we all know what our roads are like. Uh, no mm-hmm. no slam against, you know, the city by any means, uh, but, uh, but we all know what our roads are like sometimes, even in the summer, let alone the winter. Uh, you know, I think moving towards uh, all-wheel drive vehicles is, is a great move, uh, you know, that increases uh, certainly officer safety, public safety, but getting to the call. You know, that's the important thing. The officers, uh, you know, have to be able to respond when that call comes in. So, uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of those changes uh, certainly, uh, you know, enhance safety uh, within the community. I don't see a, a continual need uh, to to look at, uh, at further change. So we're looking forward to a year of somewhat status quo and actually going that's, out there and just doing our work uh you know so yeah, it is good and uh, except i don't get to do my annual this is the big addition coming to the estevan police service yeah. so the new division created for the estevan police service story yeah you know i i mean the, the, like you said the last three years there's been a lot of change we have the units in place now that uh, that are working very well uh you know i i, I can tell you you know there's people uh, within our organization that often don't get credit uh, behind the scenes you know I have a fantastic executive assistant that makes me look good, uh, you know, all the time uh, by the uh, letters she writes on my behalf and things <laughs> like that. I have, uh, you know, a fantastic office manager. So, I mean, uh, there's there's people there that don't get a lot of credit. Our court services staff, you know, uh, Constable Fry uh, does fantastic work in our courts every day. Uh, these are the people that maybe the public doesn't see on a, a regular basis or every day. So there's a lot more than just those frontline officers. You know, one of the questions I get a lot is, well, the economy is going down. Can we reduce the number of officers? You know, it's not 2014 anymore. And I think the, the reality there is, is uh, when, when uh, the economy good declines, uh, police actually often get busier. Uh, mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, but, you know, uh, uh, people tend to drink more. Uh, we see an increase in thefts and different things uh, because of the economy. Uh, so Domestic incidents is one absolutely. thing that you brought up at police board meetings. Absolutely. Stress levels go up in the home and things like that. So, you know, uh, um, you know when we look at, uh, at deployment and we look at the city and, you know, the number of officers we have, when you break down that this is a 24-hour, uh, seven-day-a-week, 365-day in op- operation, um, you know, you can't say that, you know, to run f- with four officers in a shift, uh, you know, uh, in every 24-hour period, you need eight. Uh, <laughs> so right off the bat. So, um, and then officers have days off and officers have holidays and things like that. So, uh, you know, certainly our, our staffing, uh, you know, uh, I've had that question raised uh, a couple of times by some people. And usually when you explain it, uh, you know, the, the logistics behind why we have the staffing we have, uh, people uh, certainly get an understanding, a better understanding of why we are where we're at. You know, when we talk about specialty units and things like that. Um, you know, when we look at the percentage of the overall police budget that's used on policing, uh, we're well in line with every other uh, major uh, community and police service in this province. So, uh, you know, we're, I believe it's around 18.25% of the overall budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't, 
uncommon with you know other municipalities when we look at Prince Albert, Moose Jaw, Saskatoon, Regina. We've done a recent comparison of those. So um, you know, uh, I think it's important for the public to realize they get good value for their money, uh, without a doubt. Uh, public safety is important. Uh, you know. Uh, any member in our organization will tell you uh, just how cheap I am uh, <laughs> when it comes to the dollar. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, our, our, our philosophy is when we buy something on behalf of the taxpayer, we buy it as though we were buying it for ourselves. So if we're going out to buy, whether it be a printer uh, or whether it be a new vehicle, you know, would someone pay, you know, $100 more for a printer if it's the same printer or would you shop around for a better price? And that's what we've asked our staff to start doing and looking at is, you know, we're not asking you to, you know, uh, uh, certainly uh, buy substandard or sub-quality products, especially when it comes to public safety. But if you're buying something, buy it as if it was your own money. And, you know, that's the way we run that police service. And I think it's a fiscal responsible way to do it. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the public support in the units we do have. It's generated a lot of public safety. Uh, it's closed a lot of gaps for this community. Uh, and I think we have one of the best police services out there, quite frankly. So, well, lastly, you're a busy guy. You've got a lot on the plate as chief of police. So when you're not working and when you're not tipping me off about stories and drug busts and things like that, what do you do for leisure time? Absolutely. So, you know, I have uh, I have three kids, as you know. Uh, so uh, one of them's away at school right now, my oldest. And uh, unfortunately, uh, he's in Ontario and he's affected by the strike right now uh, that's going on with the schools in Ontario. So Welcome uh, to university, right? Yeah, 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 or coming home for a little bit, I'm not <laughs> sure yet. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens uh, there. I, You know, I have a daughter and a young son, so they certainly keep me acti active. Uh, you know, we're a, a hockey family. Uh, so we're out there with our, our young lad at, uh, at the sports, uh, you know, arenas uh, every, uh, pretty much every night of the week uh, or every second night of the week. Um, we certainly, uh, you know, uh, enjoy uh, getting away and traveling a little bit when we can. Um, I, as you know, I'm, uh, I'm completing, uh, I'm a big believer in ongoing education. I'm completing my master's degree right now. Uh, so uh, my wife told me I'm no longer allowed to be a student after this. So <laughs> it will probably be my last endeavor for a while. Uh, it does take a lot of time, but certainly well worth it. So, uh, um, as far as hobbies outside of work, uh, you know, uh, certainly I'm mechanically inclined. I come from a family of aviation background, uh, so uh, certainly tinkering with cars and things like that is, is a hobby for me. You'll find me in the garage a lot of times on days off and, and things like that or, or working around the house. So um, that's, uh, that's pretty much uh, for, for uh, you know, for myself. We try and get out and get involved in the community and not just as the, the chief of police. You'll notice sometimes I show up and I'm not in uniform uh, and that's because I, I am part of this community as well. I'm not just a figure of this community. So, you know, for example, the, the most recent Remembrance Day, my son said, Dad, can you come as my dad uh, to, to Remembrance Day this time? And, you know, I said, absolutely. So, you know, uh, we can let other officers, uh, you know, shine at, the, at those ceremonies uh, sometimes. And uh, it's nice to get out there just as a, a regular everyday citizen sometimes. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming in and joining us today. That uh, wraps up this week's edition of the Energy City Plugged In Podcast. So I'd like to thank Chief Ladisser for joining us. I'd like to thank William Acri for producing this week's episode. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening.